the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 377 for August 25th, 2013. Steve Ballmer announces his retirement from Microsoft, the Moto X hits the streets for AT&T, and Pandora brings unlimited streaming music back to mobile. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, Microsoft's CEO Steve Ballmer on Friday announced plans to retire sometime in the next 12 months. Microsoft's board has formed a special committee to begin a search for a successor to Ballmer, who has led the company since January of 2000. Once the successor is chosen, Ballmer will step down According to Balmer, he said there is never a perfect time for this type of transition, but now is the right time. We have embarked on a new strategy with a new organization, and we have an amazing senior leadership team. My original thoughts on timing would have had my retirement happen in the middle of our company's transformation to de- from a devices to a services company. We need a CEO who will be here for the long term with this new direction. Microsoft's shares jumped by around 9% immediately following the news. So big, uh, big news here for the company. And obviously, they've got a lot of things that are going on there, a lot of different things that they're going to have to figure out as they go through through time here. Uh, you know, he said sometime in the next 12 months, I, I kind of see that hard to believe, because uh, at this point, essentially, he's a lame duck. And so they need to come up with someone who's going to be able to transition and get them moving forward very quickly. I th- it's a it's a very, very uh, interesting time. This is a turning point for Microsoft, I think. And so they really need to find someone who can take the amazing business uh, and installed base that they have into the future without them uh, hanging on to the past so much that it bogs them down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, w- with uh, with Bill Gates' leadership, he was actually more of a figurehead, and, you know, maybe not the level of Steve Jobs, but he was definitely visible as the company's, you know, CEO. And, uh, you know, he would get kind of behind some of the products and and, uh, you know, the company was definitely seemed stronger at that point. I mean, it's probably just a matter of timing, uh, you know, being at the right place at the right time. But I think Microsoft could kind of make a comeback as well, because like you said, they do have an amazingly huge installed base. And it's still, you know, basically what you use for almost every single business is Windows. And, uh, you know, they've got Windows Phone 8, which is, you know, kind of on the upswing. We'll kind of see how the, the Windows 8 and real time, uh, you know, the RT tablets go. But... You know, there's definitely a lot of potential there. I think it's very interesting that they've chosen to do this right now. I mean, they're kind of at this crux, right? And if you think about what they have and, uh, you know, with the new Windows 8 launch, uh, essentially still kind of rolling uh, right now with uh, Windows Phone 8 is, is just now kind of starting to take off and, and the new Xbox line. And I mean, there's there's all these different things that are happening right now. Um, and I, I guess, you know, in, in Balmer's words, you know, there's never a perfect time, but now is the right time. So, you know, maybe maybe it'll work out for them and uh, they know exactly what they're doing exactly at this point. Yeah. And they, they probably realize that, you know, Windows 8 was maybe not a flop, but it's basically a flop and it's uh you know they had to scramble to uh, release 8.1 here to to get some of the the major fixes done that really should have been done in the first place again kind of uh mimicking vista's launch and they need they need some stronger leadership they really do that uh understands you know not to the steve jobs level but they that understands the consumer and kind of what they want and 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 really be able to drive the organization to uh meet its goals 
And the goals are what's going to be the most important thing. They have to figure out where it is that they want to be, you know, in five and 10 years from now and, and making sure that they can continue to capitalize on everyone that's using their products and, and make sure that they don't lose that because that is, uh, is certainly a big part of the business and they need to, they need to maintain at the very least. So it's a, again, a very pivotal point here. And, uh, you know, it's interesting here. We're, we're at 13 years almost, uh, or actually over 13 years since Balmer has been at the helm. Uh, it does not feel that long and uh, it's been a very interesting road. Well, if I was Microsoft, I'd be petrified right now because, you know, seeing what's happened in the market, especially if you take um, uh, what, what, what happened with iPhone and Blackberry. So Blackberries were deployed in enterprises basically everywhere. That was the phone. I mean, unless you had Nextel. So, and we've seen now that BlackBerry was completely unseated in enterprise and everybody's moved to iPhones for deployments. And if I was Microsoft, I'd be petrified that uh, companies would be thinking about moving to Apple products for their PCs. And I'm sure a lot of companies are thinking about that because uh, because of the changes in Windows 8 really aren't very, very usable for enterprise. So it's uh, I would be very worried about that. I've got a couple thoughts on that. I think it's very interesting. You just brought something up. The the transition from uh, the BlackBerry, the kind of the king of the mobile device in the enterprise uh, that is now completely uh, fallen from that position. And now it, it is absolutely the iPhone that is that device. I have a uh, uh, whether it's the bring your own device or what is I, what our IT department's rolling out right now, it is almost exclusively iOS. And uh, it's not always the latest, right? Because you can certainly get a pretty solid device for $100 or even free right now if you look to still buy an iPhone 4. Um, and so it's interesting that that, that, is the, that is the case. And what I'm seeing is all of a sudden now, kind of what we saw, let's just say, three or four years ago, the kind of the backlash from from iOS. I see a lot of uh, people now that are saying, well, I don't I don't want to have the same phone as everybody else. I don't want an iPhone. And so they're now I had a conversation just with, like two days ago with somebody who said, you know, I've got an iPhone four uh, or an iPhone four S. I guess it was. I'm looking to upgrade here pretty soon, but I don't want to get another iPhone. Everybody's got an iPhone now looking at the Moto X. They, they, they saw some of the marketing, the early stuff for that and, and had questioned, you know, maybe that's the way to go. And so they were asking me about it. And I said, it's a great phone. It's going to be extremely customizable. And you're going to basically be able to create a device that is unlike anything else that anyone else has, uh, you know, to a certain extent, and, and it's going to be yours. Um, uh, the second point was that you talk about, you know, being possibly bringing in more Apple devices into the enterprise. And, uh, you know, what that what does that mean for the desktop or laptop side? Well, the other part of the, the BYOD thing that's that I'm starting to now see here and especially up here and, and I'm in Silicon Valley and I'm not sure how that is around the rest of the, the country, but it's almost like the bring your own computer is now part of that where which is a, it's, a, it's a much bigger value proposition i think for the employer in that you know when you talk about a mobile device it's a couple hundred bucks you talk about a, a, a desktop or a laptop it's a couple thousand dollars that they're not going to have to spend and it's it's hard because i think for the employee it's 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 a, a much bigger decision that okay i can either use something that i want to use if it's if you're looking to use an apple product right and i can spend the money myself to buy something to use here or I can take and use, you know, the the Dell or the Lenovo PC or laptop that is being provided to me. But interesting that 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 is now 
something that's even an option, you know, that, that, that IT departments are going to start to support not just one, two, three, four types of systems, but 10, 20, 30, 40 different types of systems. And it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, kind of switch there for what is actually what BYOD, by BYOD means. Yeah, my wife is a college uh, instructor, and she actually usually, yeah, she brings her own laptop to class. I mean, it's, uh, and uses that, because not only is it set up the way you want it and the way you need it to teach, because if you go into a random classroom and it's not set up right, or you've got, you know, Windows 95 still on this, you know, ancient, uh, you know, Pentium processor computer, you know, you can't do what you need it to do. So sometimes it's kind of out of necessity as well. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it's definitely some changes. So that that's exactly why Microsoft uh, should be exceptionally concerned right now. Yeah. And this, you know, this goes from, you know, everything from the software side. And, you know, they, they do have a, a rather large chunk of their business is now still uh, dedicated to apps that are not necessarily, uh, well, let's, let's just say it like it is it's office right i mean they they have a lot of people that are still uh using office um even though they're not using windows machines anymore i.e the mac users so uh that that is obviously still going to continue on for them but you know with cloud-based services you know there's there's a little bit less of a need for that but still for the enterprise you have to have them every single machine you do have those uh that suite of apps on there so anyway balmer's out it's just a matter of time before a successor is chosen here and uh, he'll be riding off into the sunset before we know it. Well, Transit Wireless and Verizon on Tuesday announced an agreement to bring Verizon Wireless Service to the New York City subway system. Sprint had penned a similar deal back in July, and Transit Wireless already operates a network offering AT&T and T-Mobile service in 36 stations in Midtown Manhattan and Chelsea. Verizon service will be available in those existing stations later this year. Both Verizon and Sprint will be included in future expansions, including Grand Central and around 40 other stations coming online in early 2014. LG on Tuesday said that it will be debuting an industry first, a 5.5-inch quad high-definition in-plane switching LCD screen for smartphones. The quad HD resolution display features a 2560 by 1440 pixel display that creates a pixel density of 538 pixels per inch, offering the same number of pixels as the very 27-inch iMac that I'm looking at here. The panel measures 1.21 millimeters thick and has a 1.2 millimeter bezel. LG claims it is the world's thinnest and smallest display panel, slimmer even than the one used in the G2. The display also uses a low-temperature polysilicon substrate, which allows for brightness of 430 nits. No word of when the panel will be available to device makers. Apple on Friday indicating that it opposes the FCC's mandate for interoperability in the 700 megahertz spectrum band. The FCC is deciding whether it should require all devices that use 700 megahertz spectrum to support all bands being used, including those of smaller carriers competing with both AT&T and Verizon. The top two carriers in the U.S. operate their LTE networks in band class 17 and band class 13, respectively, and Apple's uh, iPhone works in both of those. The iPhone, however, does not support band class 12, in which smaller regional operators such as U.S. Cellular operate. The smaller carriers have come together and requested the interoperability measures, but the FCC has yet to act upon that. Apple's lawyers recently spoke with FCC representatives about the proceedings and called them unnecessary, problematic, and cost-inducing. AT&T also opposes the interoperability proposal. They say that others uh, that the channel uh, television channel 51 is the reason behind band class 17's creation in the first place, citing interference 
problem. So this is a uh, you know one of those big guys versus small guys thing here. Obviously, the, the smaller carriers are still wanting to get those tier one devices that the the bigger carriers are getting and have them function on their networks. But uh, it's just one of those things where. Obviously, that provides additional cost to the, the equipment manufacturers, not just to the, the uh, carrier there. And so it's, uh, it's going to be a, a fight here, I think. So we'll see what, uh, what transpires with that. AT&T on Tuesday announcing an expansion of its LTE network along with plans for an expansion throughout the remainder of the year. Five new markets have access to LTE, including State College, Pennsylvania and Georgetown, South Carolina. AT&T also expanded the network in Atlanta, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Lafayette and Shreveport, Louisiana, as well as Oxford, Mississippi, Albany, New York and San Juan. Uh, Puerto Rico. According to AT&T, its LTE network is now available in 370 markets across the U.S., with 50 additional markets coming online before the close of 2013. Some of those markets include Fairbanks, Alaska, the Big Island of Hawaii, and Fargo, North Dakota. The company is still on track to cover 270 million pops in more than 400 markets by the end of the year. AT&T says its LTE 4G buildout will be functionally complete by the summer of 2014, at that time covering 300 million pops. T-Mobile on Wednesday announcing new service plans for business customers with lots of uncarrier ideas coming over from the consumer plans. Beginning on August 26th, T-Mobile's business customers will be able to choose two new offerings, Simple Choice for Business and Simple Choice Classic. The former separates the cost of the plan and the cost of the device, requires that businesses make a down payment for each device, and then lets them make monthly installment payments of five lines or more. Service plans start at $20 per line per month and include unlimited talk and text for with up to 500 megabytes of data plans range for uh, up to $50 per line for unlimited 4g data the latter bundles together the cost of the device and the plan and has customers choosing the number of lines and the amount of data that they want for each device service plans start at $40 per line per month for unlimited talk and text and up to 500 megabytes of data they say $70 per month buys unlimited everything and allows both businesses uh, plans for the businesses to customize the amount of data that's available for each line. A little confusing there, but uh, some options for the business side if you're looking to make a switch over to T-Mobile. Beats Audio seeking alternative partners this week and revenue sources, according to the Wall Street Journal. The journal says Beats is interested in a buyback of its 25% interest or pursuing partnerships with other product lines and companies as the organization no longer sees eye to eye with HTC on its strategy. HTC purchased half of Beats Audio back in 2011 for $300 million, half of which was then bought back by Beats in 2012. Beats is reportedly looking to expand into areas of the car and home audio systems, as well as introducing a music streaming service, building upon the success of its premium headphone space. Now, the new partnership would be unclear as far as how it would affect the co-branded HTC devices, but it's possible that it could open the door to other manufacturers, releasing Beats-endorsed handsets in the future. In device news, the iPhone 5C may be known right now as the budget iPhone, but analysts are saying it may be anything but cheap. KGI Security says the device is likely to cost between $400 and $500 when it's launched later this year. They say that the device is set to be a replacement for the iPhone 5 and that the 4S will continue to be the free option on a contract. But this story had us thinking, is pushing the iPhone 5 out in favor of going to the 5C going to actually get people to choose the 5C? 
5S because of the look. This is an interesting strategy here, something, Joey, that you actually brought up. If you were a customer in the market for a device, you did not have an iPhone 5, and your options were a 5S, a 5C, or a 4S, how are you going to make that choice? Boy, it'd be tough because a lot of people don't really want those jelly bean looking, uh, you know, bright, vibrant colors. If, in fact, that's what they're going to look like. And with the number uh, of spy shots we've seen, you know, that's starting to seem like reality where there's not going to be a black option. There's just going to be these bright, you know, kitty light customers and or uh, I'm sorry, you know, kitty like colors. So. I think that may just push them into the, you know, the, the the younger customer base and push people that have that extra hundred bucks to cough up the extra hundred bucks to go for the, uh, the the flagship model. Because, you know, look at how many people chose the 4S still this year over the 5, even though it has LTE, the bigger screen, the thinner, you know, much lighter weight. I mean, the weight is what really gets me. If I grab somebody's 4S, I'm just I, I can't believe how heavy that thing is in comparison. Yeah, and this is, I think, a big deal for, um, you know, for what they're going to be able to do in the... I think we keep calling it the budget iPhone because we're assuming that it's going to be, you know, an off-contract device and it's going to be available uh, in a different way than the current devices are, but... um and even if we're talking about a $400 device, um, you know, this is this is a point where you're, we're going to really have to decide is is the contract way uh, to go is the contract space the way that you want to go? Or are you looking at the prepaid side because you can save a little bit of money over time um, and $400 may be that price point that gets you uh, get you going in that direction? So what if you were looking at, I mean, I suppose you have to compare it to, you know, the, the prepaid handsets you can buy, like from Virgin Mobile, like Android devices. There are some, you know, a couple of year old models, uh, you know, budget models. And then you've got the, the, the Nexus, the, the Google Nexus, which is selling for what, 350 mm-hmm. uh, So I suppose if you're 50 bucks more, I could see a lot of people choosing the iPhone for 50 bucks extra over the Nexus device. Uh, you know, hundred dollars. Ooh, maybe, maybe you start to get to that territory. Well, I don't know if it's going to be worth a hundred bucks more. So that would be the, you know, where that would fit in. So, I mean, cause, but you can buy an iPhone five right now in a, a presumably the, the five S will be that $650 price range. So, I mean, you're a couple hundred bucks more and it's almost hard to justify that double, you know, almost double the amount for the, the iPhone versus the, the Nexus four. Yeah, and I think that you know that, that's a really good kind of point. Is and this is you know where the Nexus really was successful. They they had an entry price point of two ninety nine for the eight gig model for fifty bucks more. So three forty nine. That's when you get the sixteen gigs. Uh, I, I think I don't think Apple is looking at the, the Nexus as as the you know the competitor, the device that they want to to figure out. But certainly I am, and I think this is this is a great way to go. Fifty bucks more. So three ninety nine makes sense. If you want to talk about 499, it's got to be 32 or even 64 gigs of storage space there. So, uh, but entry level, sure, they can offer a little bit of a premium because they know people will buy it. They know that at this point, if it's going to have the same internals as an iPhone 5, which is kind of what we're thinking at this point, it's going to be uh, a device that's going to drop down at least 100 or maybe $200 off contract. I'm not sure what a 4S is right now, but uh, it's certainly not the 650. It's probably 499 or maybe 550. So if they can get it, get that margin down, um, you know, to a point where it's going to be okay for a customer to spend that amount. That 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 every time you hit that next, you know, that next point, it really is uh, is really a, a kind of a mentally big thing. If they get it at uh, three ninety nine, I think it, people are going to be they're going to be much more apt to choose that. So 
I don't know anything. I just know that uh, as a consumer and I see, you know, what an unlocked device costs, people are still going to say, well, you know, for 200 bucks, I can just sign a contract. I'm probably going to have the phone for two years anyway. And I uh, just go from there. But, you know, the, the more savvy customer, I think, chooses a device, uh, you know, and then finds their service afterwards. And, and so this is this is why prepaid has been so hot right now, because people realize they can save money over time. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, also what we've kind of seen with this, you know, this, this potential uh, replacing the iPhone 5 with this other device. And, you know, it's probably for just cost savings and to be able to get it down into this price range, maybe a little easier. Uh, but the iPhone 4S, you know, I'm still debating whether or not they're going to offer that this year just because, uh, you know, they need to get people pushed over to these new devices. And, I, and, and you know, what I, I really didn't realize until this last week where I was talking to somebody who still has the iPhone 4S it's the it's the docking connector is mm-hmm. the reason why they're all still out there because if you have a vehicle that supports uh, especially some of the fancier functions if you have a luxury vehicle you're stuck with that 30 pin docking connector because the there's no video out on the uh, the lightning connector even though there's an adapter but you, you're missing out on a lot of functionality same with you know fancy home connections as well so I, I this this change in the docking connector may actually be a bigger may have been a bigger amp- impact than what Apple was expecting. And this I wouldn't even be surprised if this kind of pushes people off of the iPhone platform altogether. Just uh, once they give up on their 4S, they may move to Android because now it doesn't make any difference. Well, that's an interesting point. And think about how many devices that Apple still sells with that dock connector. I mean, you've got the, obviously, the iPhone 4 and 4S. You've got the iPad Two, you have, uh, I believe, the iPod. Which one is it? Is it the Mini or is it the Nano? I don't remember which what they what they call it. But that one, I still believe, uses the dock connector as well. So you still have a number of devices that are being sold. So you still have a big market of of products that are being sold to support those devices, including, as you mentioned, the cars. You've got the home docking systems. I'm, I've got multiple docking systems here at home that use that. And so, uh, you know, we've still got a three a three GS that's being used essentially as just a streaming device at this point. It may as well be an iPod, but uh, it's still it's one of those things where you just have to look at, you know, what in the world uh, they're going to do here and, and how they're going to get people over. So that is a good point. I wonder if the, the 4S will then indeed continue. Uh, yeah, it very well. It could be. And, you know, Apple didn't make the switch uh, aggressive enough. And, and obviously the, the, the I don't know about you, but accessories for the, the lightning connector, I don't see anything. I mean, you know, docks and stuff. Every stuff, the stuff I still see for sale still has a 30 pin dock connector on it still for for accessories. So they've really they really lost that third party uh, accessory market that we really came to expect and like with the uh, 30 pin dock connector. I think we just give it a couple of years and uh, eventually it'll it'll kind of you know make its way over there. Um, you know, but I've got, you know, I carry with me lightning and dock connectors all the time. I mean, that's just is what I do. I have to do it because I've got the iPad or uh, iPad still that uses it. So anyway, uh, a lot of a lot of changes to go with that. Uh, but if you want to know when you're, these new devices are going to come out, it looks like Friday, September 20th is going to be our date. This news comes from Japan's Nikkei, which says both the new iPhone models will hit store shelves in Japan on SoftBank and KDDI on the 20th of next month. Of course, Japan is one of the initial launch markets typically for Apple. And with that expectation, we'll likely see the new iPhones uh, hit the market worldwide on the 20th. So keep that date in mind if you're looking to get yourself a new iPhone. Well, Samsung's Galaxy Mega 6.3 will debut on AT&T and other carriers in the U.S. later this month. Following Samsung's announcement that the Mega 6.3 would be available in the U.S. from AT&T Sprint and U.S. Cellular beginning in August, AT&T announced that it will launch the new 6.3-inch smartphone on August 
August 23rd, $150 on contract. AT&T will also offer uh, the device for $24 a month as part of its AT&T Next plan. The Galaxy Mega 6.3 features a dual-core 1.7 gigahertz processor, Android 4.2 Jelly Bean, a 3200 mAh battery, and an 8-megapixel camera along with its 6.3-inch display. AT&T on Monday also announced that it will begin selling the HTC One Mini smartphone on August 23rd. The One Mini will cost $99 with a new contract or $21 a month with AT&T Next. The One Mini features a 4.3-inch 720p HD display, a dual-core 1.4 gigahertz Snapdragon 400 processor, LTE, 16 gigs of storage, 1 gig of RAM, an 1800 milliamp hour battery, and Android 4.2.2 Jelly Bean. Motorola on Monday announced that it will offer or will not offer custom engraving for the Moto X when the Moto Maker initially launched. The company says that it is not happy with the test run results and it hopes to offer this service sometime in the future. GigaOM this week said Samsung plans to unveil the Galaxy Gear smartphone watch alongside its next generation Galaxy Note 3 during a press conference on September 4th. According to the report, the Galaxy Gear will feature a 2.5-inch OLED touchscreen display with a dual-core processor, quote, decent battery life, a camera and speakers that are embedded in the device's strap, an accelerometer and other sensors to monitor motion, as well as Bluetooth 4 and gesture support. The Galaxy Gear is expected to be released sometime in October. This just blows me away, what we're talking about here, that they're you know, seemingly going to be stuffing into a watch. Uh, a camera? We're going to have a camera in your watch. That is just it's just crazy. I guess if you're wanting to do kind of the, you know, the Dick Tracy talk to uh, your watch and talk to somebody on a video call, maybe that's the way to go. Uh, it sounds like there's not going to be connectivity built into it, though. So that Bluetooth connection back over to your smartphone is going to be imperative for whatever it is that you're looking to do. Uh, but very interesting stuff here in my mind that uh, we're seeing coming from Samsung here, uh, you know, on the heels or uh, maybe on the forefront, perhaps, of uh, a, a smart watch sometime from Apple, though, of course, that's still rumor at this point. We keep hearing that rumor for how many years has it been now? Well, we'll, we'll see, I suppose. You know, we've got the pebble out there. And uh, to me, it's just it's it's massively huge. And uh, I mean, I like the the e-ink display, but it, it to me, it just looks goofy. I, I can't imagine the masses uh wearing something like that or using something it just is not elegant enough and it's just too big i, I mean you, you need to have a big huge guy's wrist i mean it's it's way too big for me yeah i'm not someone that uh, is necessarily looking for uh for that but i know a lot of people are and it, it's pretty neat i mean it's it's to talk about what we're doing with the technology and putting it on your wrist that is that is pretty interesting but uh i don't know maybe i'll feel different after i start to see some of these roll out i mean i would love to have some of that functionality though i mean i really would yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about just kind of seeing the integration of these types of things, and, and maybe this comes to other, uh, other I don't know what it is, but something else as well, and uh, you know, so that's, that's, I guess, where it comes. But anyway, we're expecting to see this sometime released in October, so we still have a couple of months here and should have an announcement here within uh, the next two weeks. They say September 4th uh, is when that press conference uh, for the Galaxy Note 3 is going to see the release of... Um, information on the Galaxy Gear here. HTC and Verizon Thursday finally releasing the HTC One smartphone. This is four months after its initial debut in the U.S. The device is available online and in stores for $200 with a new contract. Well, Consumer Reports this week advising readers to hold off on buying Google's Nexus 7 tablet, citing significant reported issues with the device's touchscreen and built-in GPS. They praised the device uh, generally, and the magazine said, though, that they would urge 
caution to its readers that uh, these issues are still outstanding and to wait before buying until they're resolved. They found that uh, the problem with the touchscreen was there in its own testing, saying that it has been widely reported that a few quirks were being encountered by the early owners. They said that they report uh, that the touchscreen sometimes, quote, goes crazy and misses or repeats touches or keystrokes on the virtual keyboard. They also ran into GPS problems in its testing. They said some users report the built-in GPS loses contact with satellites uh, after a short period of operation. Uh, When they walked around outside of their offices with the Maps app uh, on a sunny day, they said it tracked them for less than 10 minutes before the map position froze. Uh, The froze lasted until they restarted the tablet. Uh, The note uh, went on to add that on an overall basis, though, the Nexus 7 is a strong mini tablet calling the screen the sharpest they've ever seen on a tablet. And the device is generally good aside from the issues that they mentioned and a great value at a price point of $229. Google, of course, said that it will be releasing an update to fix the touchscreen issue. The GPS issue, though, is still being studied. So, yeah, I think they may have done that on Friday that they released some of those updates for that thing. I, you know, I didn't confirm that, but it looks like they've done some uh, some work on that. And, and usually they, they're, they're pretty good about fixing these issues up. But, yeah, it's like with any new technology, it, it, it's kind of good to sit back and wait for, um, you know, wait for a few weeks to see uh, how these things are being received. And if there are any major show stopping issues, because, I mean, we we saw that with the iPhone 4, the antenna design was uh, not so good. So, I mean, it can even happen to the likes of Apple. Yeah. And this was one of those things where, uh, you know, this this device came out and, and certainly it's you know there's been a lot of interest in it because of the price point and an LTE version will be out here before too long, which I think is going to interest even more people, uh, you know, me included. And so I'm trying to decide, you know, I'll obviously wait until these things get fixed. But this is a Nexus device. This is Google's one of Google's priorities. And so we know that there's not they're not going to let these issues, you know, hang out there for a long time. Uh, so but interestingly, uh, Consumer Reports, you know, found both of those things to be true. So just keep that in mind if you're looking to buy one. Finally, in device news. On Friday, Motorola made its Moto X smartphone available for purchase through AT&T for $200 with a new contract. No date on when the Moto X will be available on Verizon, Sprint, or T-Mobile, though we're expecting it within the next couple of weeks. When first announced earlier this month, Motorola said that the Moto X, uh, custom Moto X orders would arrive within four days. They're now, however, changing their tune. They're t- saying that uh, high demand may delay orders, but they're working to get customized Moto Xs out as quickly as possible. Uh, they hope that they can get that down to four days or less, but they say initial shipping times can vary. In software news, Google announced on Thursday its Google Now product has added multiple new cards. Google Now provides reservation details and directions with car rental cards, offering digital tickets to concerts, and commuting will be easier with uh, checking in real time to uh, the improved public transit and commute sharing cards. Google Now also adds the ability to set reminders for search items, adds better search options for information when watching television, and now supports NCAA football scores. The update to Google Now for Android is available in the Google Play Store. Pandora this week announced that it will no longer enforce a 40-hour-per-month time limit for music streaming on its mobile apps beginning on September 1st. Back in February, it limited free listening via mobile and said it was necessary to do that at the time to control its costs. Pandora also updated its Android application this week, and the new version includes a sleep timer that can be set to automatically turn off the music after 15, 30, or 60 minutes. The app also integrates with the new Nissan Connect service in select Nissan vehicles. Questions and comments this week first a question from charles he says we've been moving over the past couple of weeks so i've missed some of the shows but heard on this last week's show that joey wasn't using gmail anymore did he switch to hotmail i've been considering doing 
the same. Well, Joey, why don't uh, I just turn this over to you and tell us what you've been doing here. So I did not switch to Hotmail, but I almost did. I was so, so very close to it. I ended up actually using, because you know, I have a work server with Exchange, I'm actually just uh, using that for my personal email. I Actually, I always have been. I was actually forwarding my email from that because I use my own domain name uh, for my email to then you know get redirected to Gmail. Because at the time, Gmail's interface was really nice and handy and had uh, you know some stuff that I, I couldn't really get on the Exchange server. But now with the push support where you can have multiple accounts with push support... Uh, now it's just no problem on any device that I have. So, because back in the day, if some of the phones like the Centro and even some of the earlier phones, you could only do one, you know, exchange account at a time. So that was my work. Uh, my work email was on the exchange uh, exchange part. But I did have a good friend that uh, did switch to uh, to uh, using Hotmail with his own hosted domain as well, because he went and purchased his last name, you know, in a .us format, and he it literally he was set up in. Uh, uh, 20 some minutes he had a, the whole thing running uh, with hotmail and uh, he is enjoying the interface and enjoying the uh, the system so far so I do recommend that so uh, for those that are, are not real familiar with it kind of what are the, the, the key points here and the things that you need to do to get switched over if you're looking to get your own domain like that. Well, you have to literally go buy a domain from a, a site, you know, like uh, GoDaddy or some domain registrar. So you want to purchase that. And then you have to do some configuring of the DNS uh, entries for it, uh, for the the DNS record. So it can uh, get to, over to the, the Outlook.com. And when you go into Outlook.com and set this, it actually helps you and tells you what you need to do and everything. So it's actually fairly straightforward on what needs to be done. And, and uh, so far, the interface is nice because I do use it occasionally for some... Uh, uh, for some, you know, just kind of reference work, I use the Outlook.com, and you can set up aliases real easy in there. And I do like the uh, the clean kind of, uh, you know, easy to use interface. Uh, unlike Gmail, where it's gotten much much more, uh, you know, complicated and kind of weird lately. Yeah, and so interestingly, uh, I I looked into doing this. Uh, in fact, I've got a custom domain as well, and uh, I don't actually use it, uh, you know, on a regular basis. But um, so basically, right now, I just have all uh, or any incoming email just forwarding over to uh, to Gmail. But so I ended up uh, taking that and migrating over to Outlook and uh, and tried it out, made sure that it worked, and then migrated back and did all of that in the course of about a half hour. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely, it's pretty simple to do and. Uh, a couple of uh, quick searches will give you the full instructions. And as Joey mentions, if you're looking to do so, uh, hotmail slash outlook.com does have a lot of great information. And I think the best thing about going with outlook.com at this point is that there is no storage limitation. So if that is a concern to you, keep that in mind. Also, you've got uh, active sync support on it. Exactly. Unlike, well, yes. unlike Google, you uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was grandfathered in like my iPad and iPhone, but you know what? It's uh, if I change devices here coming up in the, in the fall, th- then I'm done with that entirely, and I'd be forced over to use the app, which of course has gotten a lot better and will be a lot better with iOS seven because of the background syncing. So that'll actually really really improve that. Uh, that whole interface if you use the Gmail app. So then that that kind of goes away a little bit, but you're stuck with the the card DAV and the, the contact or web DAV thing for the contact syncing and all this stuff. So, I, I mean, I'd be done with it anyway. So yeah, Hotmail to me or Outlook.com is really the, uh, that's going to be kind of the next big thing. Yeah, unbelievable. I'm not really interested in spending a lot of time, uh, you know, futzing around with all that kind of stuff uh, at that point. So I'm I don't know. I I really don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to probably have to figure it out. It's going to be it's going to be a crossroads in the what we're all using here when these new devices come out, because, yeah, that's I don't know, not not a fan of all figuring all that out. But at the same time, I don't want to I don't want to be you, Joey. I don't want to manage it all myself. I just want some service to just handle it for me. And this is this is why I think Outlook.com is the best way to go. 
if I didn't have my own server already up and running, I, that, that would have absolutely been the way I would have gone. Absolutely. So, okay. So that's that, Charles. Hopefully that gets you uh, the answer to that. Let us know if you have any other specific questions. Next is a comment and a question then from Philip. And he says, guys, love the show. First, an anecdote related to your Google Now experience on the latest podcast. I recently, in June, switched to Android and the HTC One from Windows Phone. So Google Now was something very new to me. My daughter had to see her pediatrician one day, and my wife sent me a text with the appointment info, which simply stated, doctor appointment at 2.45. Almost immediately, a Google Now notification popped up with me, uh, up, popped up with driving time and directions to our pediatrician's office. My wife confirmed that she did no Google searches on our home PC, so I can only guess that the phone scanned the text, recognized the common abbreviation of doctor and appointment, scanned my contacts, saw the only doctor I have is the pediatrician's office, then did a search for that practice to get me the address extremely impressed but also incredibly creepy yes and in, in, indeed that is no kidding i you know i i, I talked about this last week and I, I i was looking back and i think for me it was the fact it wasn't uh it was the fact that i may have had some context about uh, a trip that i had made in my email and then i also realized that i did have it on a shared calendar that we were going to see somebody in a city and maybe it tied that then back to my contacts or something like that. So it did do some back-end work to figure it out. But the fact that in both Philip's situation and mine, that it was right on with what it was that we were trying to do. It wasn't like trying to get me to some other person. It was it was just crazy. Very interesting there. So um, I guess, yes, kudos to Google for being able to figure that out. And also, <laughs> that's really weird that they can do that. Second, uh, Philip has a question. He says, as I mentioned, my previous phone was Windows Phone. Uh, built into the OS is Audible SMS over Bluetooth, basically through the Bluetooth adapter I have in my car. Not the built-in car system, but a simple receiver with an aux output. The phone would alert me of any incoming message, ask what I wanted to do with it, i.e. read or ignore, read it to me, and then ask what I wanted to do, i.e. reply or be done. And then it would allow me to dictate a message and send it back. All of this can be done without ever touching the phone I can't seem to find a similar functionality on my HTC One. I've looked th through all the settings and tried a handful of apps. The closest I found was the Dragon Voice Assistant, which can read them and let you respond, but also uh, won't auto-close the app uh, when you're done and won't give me the option to have it uh, read a lot, to have the message read aloud. Any suggestions? Uh, keep up the great show. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things with this is, you know, on the Android side, uh, we are we are talking about third party apps that are probably going to find that similar functionality like Dragon. And that was that was kind of what I found is going to be the solution here. Um, I, I don't have any real other suggestions, though, on this, because like you said, this is not something that's built into the OS. And so this is going to be something that another party is going to have to do. It's not going to be nearly uh, as useful as uh, what you're going to what you had on Windows Phone. I don't think so either. And yeah, unless it's a lot of times, unless these features are baked right into the OS, they're just not that good, especially if you're dealing with Bluetooth and SMSing and voice recognition. Yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate. That sounds like actually a really neat feature. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's coming online with these new OSs. And, you know, whether it's Windows or Android or iOS, they're, they're adding more of this type of stuff here as we go. And that's that's really great stuff to see. So I, I do like that. Next up is a question from Jeff. He says, uh, since installing 4.3 on my unlocked Nexus 4, I can no longer get ringtones to stick. I can download one and select it, but a few hours later, it will be gone. Any suggestions? 
No, not really. I don't uh, don't really know. I've got 4.2 on my touchpad, and I don't really try the ringers out on that. So, uh, you, you know, I hit somebody up with the Nexus, uh, Galaxy Nexus, but he didn't really uh, use ringers at all. It's just on vibrate all the time, so I don't have any help there. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think they're, the, the biggest thing here is that, um, you know, whether it's a, a ringtone that you were, were downloading um, versus a one that was on the device stock, I, I'm wondering if there's any differences there, and that would kind of maybe isolate if it was something uh, that was happening with third-party stock stuff uh you know because i can't i can't see this as being something that is going to be a regular issue going forward because they're obviously people are going to change their ringtones they can't just assume that everyone is is going to stick with one of the stock ones and so um i'm, I'm not ex exactly sure what's happening here i'm guessing you've tried all the normal like you know doing you know reboots and stuff like that and trying to make sure that there was not just something that isn't sticking there uh you know but that that would be you know i guess that that would be some of the troubleshooting i would do is just make sure that um you know after a fresh reboot you know battery pull whatever uh, you're actually nexus 4 you're not gonna do a battery pull so no um, hopefully not <laughs> That'd be a tough you, one. yeah you know what i mean though you can you know do a do a reboot there and see if it uh, if it's still there if, if there's something that's going on there um a lot of stuff happening under the hood though uh it's it's hard to, to identify that there is i mean i suppose you could always try just doing a complete wipe too and uh yeah and, and starting over clean i mean sometimes you get these little goofball settings that get stuck behind the scenes and it may be trying to restore it but I mean, if it really is a problem in the OS, I'm sure you're not the only one that's having this, so they'll, they'll probably fix it uh, soon. I know they've, I think they've pushed out a few fixes recently uh, for the, the 4.3 images due to some uh, security issues they were having with that, uh, what was it, that cert uh, security and app signing or something like that. So hopefully they can uh, fix that if that is in fact a problem. Yeah, let's hope so, because uh, obviously this is, if it's, if it's a problem for, you know, all of the 4.3 installs, then yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be something they're going to have to get to, uh, get to right away. Next up, we have a voicemail from Abraham. Hi, Mickey and Joey. This is Abraham from Southern California. And the reason I was calling, I uh, just took a trip last week to Vancouver, Canada, and Richmond, Canada. And I took my HTC AT&T branded but unlocked phone. And to my surprise, uh, the best deal that I was able to find for a one gig of data out there was TELUS. So I went out to the TELUS store, uh, paid $30 for one gig of data. For the week that I spent, there was plenty. I just want to let all your listeners out there know, I originally was going to go with Rogers, but Rogers was around $65. So um, I, I was getting HSPA Plus, and on top of that, I was getting uh, LTE. So just to let you, other people know that uh, TELUS is compatible with AT&T frequency bands. Other than that, keep up the good work, and thank you. Add a listener. Take care. Abraham, thanks very much uh, for the the voicemail there and uh, your experiences. You know, I I still think that's a little much talking. You know about what Telus is offering. They're thirty bucks for one gig of included data, but uh, um, I'm guessing that you you had some voice and or text messages also included. So that's just what it is. But uh, you know, certainly I, I understand you're not going to want to spend sixty bucks just for a week there. And, and you know, thirty bucks isn't bad, I suppose. Um, but still. I, I, I'm I'm thinking that there's got to be some prepaid services that that offer something more, but 
um, hey, that's what you had, that's what you found, and that's what you went with. And you know, thirty dollars versus whatever you would have been charged with AT and T uh, when you were up there is, is certainly a better deal. So uh, that, I, I totally get it. And um, you know, if you're uh, if you're there and you find something and it's reasonable, you just do it. You don't even think about it and you move forward. So, but thanks very much uh, for the experience there. Good to hear. Yeah, and sometimes when you're traveling, you just do not want to have an unreliable thing. You want to have that, you know, kind of guaranteed. It's a big carrier. You know what's going to work. Yeah, and I think there's a, you know, there's 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 stuff that you're you work for, you know, you 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 try and figure out, you know, where where's a better deal or stuff like that. This is probably not one of them, especially if all it is is thirty bucks. Just figure it out, go and, and move on and, and enjoy it, use it and and. Uh, and enjoy the experience. You're up in Canada, right? Hopefully it was for fun. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at thecellphonejunkie.com is the email address you can send them to. Or voicemails uh, can be called in to 206-203-3734. We'd love to hear from you. Either way, if you have any comments about things we've chatted about here or questions you'd like us to address. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.